Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, it's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide, brought to you by the WBC, the World Boxing Council. There's something else to watch. Two men at the highest level battle, and one may be favored over the other, but you never know what's going to happen. And and that's, what, that's why boxing is the way it is. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history. He comes on, damn the torpedoes, full steam ahead. Pedro Fernandez. Damas y caballeros, bienvenidos, ladies and gentlemen, emanating, coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports byline studios. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on WBC TV and Twitch TV coming to you from the sports byline studios. Straight up, often imitated, we are never duplicated, 37, make that 38 plus years now of doing our own thing. Straight up, my name is Pedro Fernandez. Welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, often imitated, as I said, but never duplicated. We are just... Moments away, of course, from the World Heavyweight Championship. Tyson Fury, the undefeated lad, of course, the Gypsy King. That one draw to Deontay Wilder, of course, they, they screwed him there. But the bottom line is, he's unbeaten. The only blemish on his record is that Mar, that draw. But the bottom line is, he came back and beaten Wilder twice. Of course, he's defending the Heavyweight Championship against the number one WBC contender, Dillian White. Dillian White's been beaten once, I believe, and knocked out by Alexander Povetkin. He came back and stopped Povetkin, but people thought Povetkin had COVID when he got stopped. Bottom line is, we'll see what Dillian White brings to the dance. Of course, that's the heavyweight championship of the world going down, I believe, on ESPN pay-per-view. Straight up, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You want to drop us a text, you can. The studio text line, 415-275-1613. Our studio text line, once again, 415-275-1613. Straight up, we have to look at it as a maybe the last fight of Tyson Fury's career. At least that's what he's talking about. I'm retiring after this. Some multi-multi-billionaire convinced me to retire. I don't need the money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line is, I think he's full of spit. We'll see uh, with Socrates Palmer. Of course, boxing's PhD has to say after the break. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on WBC-TV. Come to you from the Sports Byline Studios. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a certain toughness inside of Tyson Fury. Don't ever, ever, ever miss me. Tyson, everyone says he's all three years today. But I know him personally. He's lived with me in my home, too. He's uh, in his state with me. I've trained Latimer. I've had them all together. He is maybe the toughest. Once he settles down on a solid training program, whichever way else, and really gets into it, just boxing, with his natural talent and uh, his per- engaging personality and his physical size, he's going to be a big, big, big factor in boxing. I've, I've always fed that after Latimer, he's going to be the next dominant heavyweight. But there's one kid in America that no one speaks of, and that's uh, Deontay Wilder. He was on the Olympic team. He lost it the big kid. And I've had the fortune of he's came and trained with me before, too. And he's it's a big kid. He's bigger than Letterman, too. But he's got good speed and power. And I think best talent, best talent is still going to be Tyson and Deontay Wilder. Of course, that is the deceased gold father, my, my mentor, Emmanuel Stewart, of course, of the Crown Gym, talking about the current heavyweight champion of the world, the undefeated lad with that one draw, of course, on his record. I'm talking about Tyson Fury, 30 and zip, taking on Dillian White. He's a minus 600 favorite as far as the betting parlors in the U.K. are concerned. Dillian White is a plus 450 underdog. Uh, for that, we go to the Bronx. We're bringing the Bronx Palmer. I'm talking about Mr. Socrates Palmer, boxing's true PhD. And how are you on this lovely day, sir? I'm doing excellent, P. Thank you for having me on, as always. Okay, let's talk. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's, go uh, let's go to last week before we get to the heavyweight championship. Uh, Earl Spence, of course, um, basically doing what we thought he, he would do against um, Udi Ugas because of the U- Erdi Ugas because of the fact that there's a difference in skill level there. I mean, the Cubans got it, but he doesn't have that skill level. He's not up there in the in the tens. I think he's about the sevens or the eights as far as skills are concerned. Am I wrong by putting it that way? Um. I don't think it's necessarily physical skill. I think it's that inner hunger, you know. It's it's that wanting to 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 grab the brass ring, and you know, August has probably accomplished a lot, a lot in his life. I mean, from Olympian, great amateur background, and a very good pro, and a, and he had the monumental win against Manny Pacquiao. But there's always something like when he fought. Uh, Sean Porter, mm-hmm. he had that fight 
you know, that he could have really put his stamp on it and, 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 and taken that, that decision, even though some people think that he got jobbed anyway, but he came up short last week. He had an opportunity, you know, he had moments in the fight, but he had a monster opportunity when he knocked the mouthpiece out of Errol Spencer's mouth. And, and we've said this over and over when you're the opponent, you know, that the, the cards are stacked against you, bro. You have to go out and take it. He had a moment that may, maybe I'm not saying the fight is, is ends in a different way, but, he could have done some damage to Errol Spence. He had about five seconds that he wasted that he could have jumped on him. I'm pretty sure the way Errol Spence reacted after he got the mouthpiece knocked out of him, he would have probably taken an eight count if Ugas at best just jumps on him, you know? But he, he let that slip through his fingers, and eventually the class of Errol Spence showed and the natural strength. I mean, you really saw Errol Spence impose his physicality on him and disfigure uh, Ugas who may never recover from that type of eye injury. <clears throat> no, but you give him props. He was a brave lad, no doubt about that. And I hope he made a few bucks because, you know, he he has a stellar amateur career. Of course, he beat Terrence Crawford as an amateur, and now that sets up the Crawford-Spence fight, allegedly. But let's go back to Spence's performance for a second. He's a guy that struggles to make 147 pounds. I don't care what anybody says. I look at it. I look at him a week before, 10 days before. You can see that he's coming down in weight maybe from 165 uh, pounds. Bottom line is he is a big, big welterweight. Terrence Crawford is not a big, big welterweight. Is the size differential going to come into play here, or is Terrence Crawford a big? Is Terrence Crawford big enough? I think he's big enough. The factor in if if you're asking me if eventually the the uh, Errol Spence natural weight will be a factor in the fight, it could be. You know, it very well could be. Um, like you said, he's a guy that's. That probably walks around at 165, 170. Or more. You know, yeah, you know, he, he and you see, you can tell in his back. And Terrence Crawford is someone who has grown into the welterweight division. You know, he was a, he came up from lightweight and really just ascended naturally. You know, and and he, at this point, he is a full-fledged welterweight. The one factor, though, Terrence Crawford is a former amateur wrestler, and there is no other athlete stronger than pound for pound than a wrestler, than a Greco-Roman wrestler. And you see that in Terrence Crawford's fights. He's a str- he's physically strong. You know, he, 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 you've heard the term skinny fat. He's skinny strong. You know, he's under, you know, and, and he's got that X factor in him that Ugas does not have. He's a guy that has shown that he's able to handle adversity in the ring, and he adjusts better than just about any other fighter. Maybe outside of Lomachenko, that you can see him just get stronger as the fight goes. And that's something that I really think is going to play in in Terrence Crawford's uh, favor. And if they fought tomorrow, I'm picking Terrence Crawford. Well, this is not a slim and none fight. I mean, basically, I thought when I said when I said Ugas was slim, he had two chances, slim and none, and slim had just left town. I think the, um, you know, the, the, the writing was on the wall. I mean, he beat a 41-year-old Manny Pacquiao, and that's not a whole lot to brag about. But he right. put himself in a position to make some money, more power to him, him and his team. I mean, I wish him the very best. Now, we look at the fact that Terrence Crawford is a mean dude. Terrence Crawford, you, you forgot to bring that yes. into, the, into the equation. Yes. He's You're a stone right. cold. He is, not a, he is not a nice guy. I mean, he's just not. I mean, not, not, all, not all. Put it this way. Ugas, the other night, when he pulled that, like, I'm sorry I hit you type of crap. I mean, that's basically what he did. Yeah. He should have been arrested for impersonating a professional fighter at that point in time. What was he going to do? Go over there and I'm surprised he didn't reach down and, and grab the mouthpiece for him and clean it off for him and give it to uh, give it to Spence himself. He almost apologized for what he did. And then and 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 and, and the referee uh, 
uh, Lawrence Cole. Larry. I mean, Larry, Lawrence, hey, man. Don't say Larry. He'll go, hey, he'll jump through. He he will come looking for us if we called him. If we called him Larry Cole, he would come looking for us. Did I just call him Larry Cole? Lawrence Cole. L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. Don't spell it L-A-W and don't call him Larry. He gets pissed. Whenever there's something crazy that happens in Texas, you better believe he's in the middle of it. You know, he is, I mean, Forget it. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I'm sure a lot of bad stuff has been said about Lawrence Cole, but you can tell there was some home cooking in that round. Okay. John Shirley, John Shirley, John Shirley out of Sacramento, California, my amateur guy. I mean, me and him were together in the amateurs. He's sort of trying to, I think he's making his move as far as, as Texas is concerned, as far as the big fights are concerned. But he's got, he's got Lawrence Cole, the fact that Lawrence Cole's father, Dickie Cole, was the head of the Athletic Commission for like 20 years. He's a boxing icon. I think he's still living. Bottom line is that, you know, Dickie Cole still, still wields a lot of weight. Apparently so, man, because his, his kid's always in the middle of a big fight. And, you know, he's a competent referee, but it just he's always in the middle of some controversial crap, man. And not, not to say, I don't want to take credit, from, you know, away from Spence. He, he clearly was the better fighter, but that round is fishy. Um, another thing about Crawford, like you said, yes, he's got a killer instinct. He's not a nice guy inside that ring, and you need that. And I, and I, and I hearken back to guys like Bazooka Gomez, Miguel Cotto, Roberto Durant. Those guys had that X factor, you know, and you need that. And and not to say that afterwards, I'm pretty sure they'll they'll both share a steak dinner together. You know, I think I think they generally do like each other, Spence and, and Crawford, but. Inside the ring, it's going to be business. And Spence also has that mean streak in him. So it, it, it's a fascinating fight. It's a 50-50. Another thing we're talking about, are they going to be able, the negotiators going to be able to make both sides happy? You know, people are saying that Terrence Crawford should probably humble himself, take less. Why? It's, it's, a, rumor, it's a rumor that these pay-per-view numbers that have not yet been revealed didn't do so hot. You know, it, I, I heard that it did less than... 150,000 buys. Well, you know, 150,000 buys are what, 70 bucks a pop. That's still not a, that's not, still not a, a bad, you know, payday for anybody. They're still making money. I mean, it's not like they're going, to, they're going off and declaring bankruptcy. Right, right. But what I'm saying is that, that if, if they're going to use the leverage that Errol Spence's air quotes, a pay-per-view star or a pay-per-view draw, that's not really a pay-per-view draw number. You know, like Terrence Crawford brings his own star. And if anything, money-wise, it should be a 50-50 split. And let the powers to, that be, you know, have common sense to make this fight happen and that we don't get uh, Pacquiao Mayweather, you know, 2.0, that they wind up fighting when they both pass their prime. That's how I feel. The pay-per-view grossed about $10.5 million with 100, 150,000 homes at $70 a pop. Um, you split that with the cable company. Usually the cable company takes half. The promoter gets half. So he's got $5.2 million there. That's enough money to spread around those guys. I mean, they, we're not talking about Spence making $10, 15000000 million bucks. He's not that, he's not that elite yet. He's got to prove his eliteness. Here, him and Crawford will approve who's elite. In other words, whoever wins that fight steps off and makes the big bucks. Right now, I think they should be fighting just to fight each other. You're right. I think they both need each other, absolutely. And the winner of that fight is the only guy that could probably say, I'm just as big as, I'm just as good on the pound for pound list as Canelo Alvarez, who, outside of, you know, being the money man in all of boxing, He's still the best pound for pound fighter in most people's eyes, and he's and, the best draw. I mean, let's be honest, Canelo draws. Oh, it's not even I mean, close. 
I mean, his his numbers compared to everybody else's are like yikes. It's not even close, especially here in, on this side of the world. I mean, now in Europe, you know, that, you know, they they draw monster crowds, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that's just because they're they're insane in love with the sport of boxing, you know. And, and but here in the U.S. and no no one draws like Canelo. Marcus and, of um, Queensbury, baby, that's where it all started. Of course, that's where they glove people yeah. up for the very first time towards the end of the. Uh, 19th century there, of course, in England, the Marcus of Queensbury came up with the idea of competitive boxing with gloves. You were tuned to Ring Talk Live World. Remember, the gloves weren't there to protect the fighters. They were there to protect the hands. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC-TV. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The horns of the mighty Tower of Power. Check them out. They are legends in the music business. Towerofpower.com. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking the world of boxing. We talk MMA on occasion. Straight up, we're talking boxing. Of course, the World Heavyweight Championship on the line in just uh, just a short amount of time. Of course, Tyson Fury undefeated with that draw. Of course, taking withdrawal with Deontay Wilder. Taking on Dillian White. Dillian White. Uh, said to be an opponent here, of course, a minus 450. Take that back, a minus 600 underdog as far as you're betting on Tyson Fury's current. It's a plus 450 you want to bet on Dillian White. Straight up, Dillian White is a, a live underdog in some people's mind. I think these people are delusional. I think he has two chances, much like Ugas last week. Slim and none, and Slim just left town except for, oh, let me get to this. Somebody sent me a text. They thought Ugas was part of a fix. They thought that that was a fix, that when you, when you hit a guy that hard and you knock him, knock him into another time zone and you stand there and look at him, that something's wrong. They thought the Cuban was in on a take or something like that. <laughs> hey, you know what? He's not – whoever sent you that, uh, that message, is he's not in the minority. There's a, there was a lot of people that saw that and, and just were scratching their head. It's like, you know, you, it's, it, it's like in football – Someone fumbled. You know, the team is driving, and they fumble at the goal line, and you just watch the ball. Yeah. You know, he, Ugas dropped the ball, man. He, he, had, he had, like I said, I'm not saying that, you know, maybe Spence recovers, you know, because, uh, you know, he was winning the fight anyway, you know. And But you know what? Anything could happen. But you know, you're the opponent. He could have busted his jaw. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're the opponent. You, you're being, you've been drawn on paper to lose. The matchmaker thinks you're going to lose. The odds maker thinks you're going to lose. The, the, the promotion will watch you in to lose. The whole nine yards. You're supposed to lose. You get this one chance, and you don't take advantage of it. You know, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, Ugas can look back on the fact he was brave. He took a nice beating, this and that. I mean, a, 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 a terrific beating, and he was brave and that kind of good stuff. But at the end of the day, he had an opportunity to step it up to another class, and he missed it. A thousand percent, man. He fumbled. You know, he fumbled. He fumbled. You know, he had a shot. I mean, you talk about a free shot with a guy without a mouthpiece. Man, I kick the guy. You could break a guy's jaw. Oh, yeah. Yo, you could break a guy's jaw. You could bust an eardrum. But, you know. That's it. You know, it's, we're, we're all talking hypotheticals. You know, at the end of the day, 
Ugas is what he is. A yeah. very good fighter, not a great fighter. The only time I showed any mercy in a boxing ring was I got myself a win. The guy, I cut this guy, I was done. <sighs> I was like an asthmatic. I wasn't supposed to fight in this fight, and we showed up the, at the event, and they said, we need somebody to fight in the main event. I said, oh, come on. I just, no, this be two-minute fight, and the guy was six foot three. Um, but the bottom line was I was so Jeez. tired after I was tired after the first round sock. I went out there in the second round. I cut him under the eye. I told the referee, he's cut. He's cut. And the ref jumped in and panicked and stopped the fight. But had he not stopped the fight, I'd have got licked that day. A 6-3. And you fought at what, 132? 139. 139. That's yeah, here's what's up. This is, one, this, is, this is one of these <laughs> things where you show up the, um, at the fairgrounds. It was the Alameda County Fairgrounds. And the weigh-ins are over. Okay, and mm. I'm saying, well, what did the guy weigh? Ah, oh, he's about 53. I go, man, that's a whole lot of weight. This and that. I don't worry about him. Pete, he's a bum. He's from the Marine Corps down there in in, in, in uh, Fort, whatever for what it was. Bottom bottom line is he wasn't a bum. And um, the bottom line is if he didn't get cut, I would have lost that day. But straight up, you get a chance to win a fight, and you have to take advantage of that that one chance. I was going to win that fight. I was pooping out. I was going <laughs> to. I look like an asthmatic. So I took that one opportunity. I saw it. And, and and I took it to victory. And Uga should have took that shot. He should have went over there. He should have went, he should have committed, committed domestic violence on Earl Spence at that point in time instead of standing there and going, "Hey, um, um, uh, let me apologize for hurting him." This has, this would have looked like it almost looked like an apology. Bro, it, it, I was yelling at my TV. I, it was uh, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I mean, he had the shot and he just blew the layup, man. You know, but a dunk. Yeah, he did. But you know what? Onward and upward, you know, we, we have a much-anticipated fight that needs to happen, hopefully before the end of the year, between Crawford and Spence. A 50-50 fight, and it has to happen. I don't want this, I don't want that fight to happen two years from now. You know, please, do, I do not want to hear a press conference that uh, Errol Spence is defending against uh, Mr. Thurman or somebody like that. Um. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, why, why is Oscar Valdez, um, he doesn't want to do any interviews. I tried this week to get him on the air. In fact, I mm. tried four or five weeks to get him on the air. He didn't want to do it. And we're friendly territory for him, so I don't know why you want to go here. But the bottom line is, Shakur Stevenson, everybody considers it like a, a foregone conclusion he's going to beat Oscar Valdez. Is it a foregone conclusion? I don't think so. I think people are selling Oscar Valdez short based off of his last performance against the Brazilian fighter, that many people will say that he got a gift. You know, I give him the benefit of the doubt that he had an off night stylistically. I mean, it was almost like that mental letdown from the, the tremendous performance against Brichelt. And then you fight a guy that's pretty unknown, and the guy was just, you know, he was very slick. Rob, Robson Canseco, of course, the, the yes. undefeated then Brazilian, the 2016 Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, you know, stylistically, you know, it wasn't good for him. But I'm not going to say Oscar Valdez can't fight a pure boxer because Valdez is a good boxer himself. I mean, he's a former Olympian also, mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of people are really being dismissive. Shakur Stevenson has everything that you would want. You know, he's he is growing before our eyes. He uh, seems to have that killer instinct, uh, the way he dispatched Jamal Herring. He's physically going to be a bigger a bigger man that night. But people are selling Oscar Valdez short. You know, I think Valdez has more than a, a chance to pull off a, a big upset because he's a champion too and he's undefeated, you know, and he's got that Olympic background. And I really believe that that uh, 
he feels a little bit disrespected. You know, he's got a little chip on his shoulder, especially when he had that PD issue, you know, that people are going to always uh, have that cloud over his head. Well, you know, so, I tested pot. I'll tell you what, I, I buy my meat at a place called Tepa in, in South San Francisco. It's a Mexican meat market. I tested positive last week for anabolic steroids. <laughs> I, I sense a little bit of sarcasm. Oh, uh, <laughs> me and Canelo. <laughs> Me and Canelo. But Shakur and Oscar, that's it's April 30th, of course. Oh, but check it out. What? But check it out. Shakur Stevenson is now, what I saw, he is now under the nutrition tutelage of Victor Conti. Mm, well, that, so. that's all. That, you know, <laughs> you know. Don't don't. don't I, I know you're snickering there because Victor Conti he actually fixed the 2000 Olympics. Of course, he was banned from sports, went to jail, all that kind of good stuff. But mm-hmm. he's he's come back. He's done his thing, and the, some of the snack it's, products that he's put together are right. really really good products. Right. No, I remember he was he was he's a sponsor on the show and stuff. But I'm just iron. You know, ironic. You know, because a lot of people, if you look at any video on social media with with Valdez. All the comments, the trolls are just putting these needle emojis, these pill emojis. But then as you scroll down, you see Shakur Stevenson, you know, he's sponsored by Snack. And if, you know, when you think of PDs, if, if Victor Conti doesn't come into your mind at some point, then, you know, you're being a little disingenuous. So he, he, he told me when he watched Marion Jones, I think, win the mile in the Olympics, and he realized that, you know, it was, it was his drugs that were doing this. And when Shane Mosey beat Oscar De La Hoya in that fight mm. at 154, he realized mm. it was, here's what he told me. He goes, I realized it was my SIH, SHIT that was doing this. You know, because Shane came to him before the fight, said, you know, I'm fighting a bigger guy, I need an advantage. That's basically what Shane said. And, of course, Shane admitted that in a deposition you can watch on YouTube if you want. And Barry Bonds, you know, I mean, Victor Conte is, you know, one of the most influential men in the history of sports. Barry Bonds has got some big stones. Unfortunately, they're not below his waist. (laughs) A serious, he's got got testicular, what do they call it, testicular shrinkage or something like that. In other words, he's got the nads of a chihuahua. Ouch. Well, I mean, come on, man. His <laughs> girlfriend said that in court. Imagine me reading that in the newspaper. I'm reading this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Your ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he goes, his little uh, his little things, they shrunk up. They were real small. Oh, oh, oh. And saying that in court? Remember when his trainer went, uh, his trainer almost went, his trainer did go to jail. No, he did. He yeah. he, he, he took the bullet. Took he, a year, you know, it's been like a year and a half in the joint. You know, Barry gave him a lot of money. I, I imagine he got a lot of money for that one. Yes, uh, Anderson. I can't remember yeah, his yeah, first exactly. name. Yeah. Was it Tim? No, not anyway. But the bottom line is he was he was notorious around here. Of course, you know, the Balco thing. Me and Victor were tight until David Rodriguez. I bought this heavyweight boxer out here from Texas, David Rodriguez. And he yes, and Victor and he and Victor got together and then me and Victor just didn't talk anymore. I don't know why, I don't know what one I don't know what, what went south on that. But me and he and I go back all the way to Tower of Power. That's right. That's right. He's a musician uh, background. He was no. Uh, he was an amazing, an amazing bass player. He was an amazing bass. player. you got to be a weird dude to play the bass because that's like a different world, you know. But yeah, he is. He was an amazing bass player. No doubt about that. Okay, let's talk about predictions for tonight. Dillian White. Are we in another Slim and Nun uh, type of fight here? I want to say yes. You know, if all things are even, I mean, I've said it. You know, a couple of years ago, the only person that beats Tyson Fury is Tyson Fury. You know, you're dealing with someone that that you just don't know, you know, when you have mental health issues, you know. Uh, but Dillian White should have only a puncher's chance because we've seen Tyson Fury hit the deck before. 
the Tyson Fury should light him up within seven or eight rounds. The great soccer news, Palmer. Boxing's two PhD only on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Sox, say hello to the family. We'll talk soon. I certainly will, brother. More boxing, more boxing after the break. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide on VTV. Okay, okay, it's not bragging when you're telling the truth. At least that's, that's what my mother told me. It turned out she stole that from Muhammad Ali. Straight up, my mother was a plagiarist. Uh, among other things, she was a hell of a motor, but she was a plagiarist, I guess, to an extent. Alexis Arguello, we've turned 71 this week. Of course, April 19th was his birthday. Um, quite a dude, I mean, to be around, no doubt about that. A champion, of course, at 126, 130, 135 pounds. Could not make the cut at 140. It was just too small. Of course, 77-8 as a professional, stopped four times, 62 KOs. Of course, the two losses to prior, the first and the second fight to prior. Of course, the first fight marred by controversy when, uh, you know, Alexis um, felt he was cheated. It was, And I, I think he was cheated. I think the fact that, that Panama Lewis, the infamous Panama Lewis, may he not rest in peace. Of course, he was in Pryor's corner that night, and what he did was he wrapped Pryor's hands before the fight with plaster of Paris. You know what plaster of Paris is? That's the stuff they wrap around your hands, and when you spray it with water, it turns hard and turns into a cast. Well, that's what Panama Lewis put on Aaron Pryor's hands. I kid you not. He wrapped some regular wrap, little little bit regular gauze around the hand. Then he went with the with, with the plaster of Paris. Then he overwrapped that with some more gauze. So when the athletic commission came and looked at his hands, they tapped they tapped it like that. They said, "Okay, it's cool." And then they left. And then Panama sprayed it up with water. And then 45 minutes later, you know, Pryor had two casts. I mean, think about this: plaster of Paris, C A S T S, casts in his hands. Those those were his hands. So when his when his uh, Later on, the very next day, just to jump real quick, a friend of mine saw him, of course, at a press conference, and his hands were all swollen. His knuckles were deformed in this and that. Well, your knuckles don't get deformed in a professional boxing match. That's why you have the gloves on. That's why you have your hand wraps and this and that. But prior, they weren't taking any chances that night. Of course, no chances. We'll talk about, I think it was August 1989. They were not taking any chances. Panama Lewis was not going to lose that fight. They took the padding out of the gloves. They put, they, that's, how, that's why the gloves disappeared in the ring. If you look, if you watch that fight, the gloves come off Pryor's hands, and then they disappear. Panama Lewis gets them to the back. Somebody was asking for the gloves. I think Bill Miller, of course, Arguello's agent, was asking for the gloves afterwards. The gloves were nowhere to be found. What reason being? They were tampered with. That and his hand wrap. So put those two things together, and what happened was it broke Alexis Arguello down mentally because at the end of the day, he had so much confidence in himself as a man and as a boxer as a champion, that he didn't think his will could be broken. So when Aaron Pryor broke his will the way in, in the manner in which he did in that 14th round, of course, the magic bottle coming off the stool with the magic bottle. And I think that in that magic bottle, there was, you know, something going on there. I mean, come on, Pryor got off the, got off the stool, was like almost deranged in, in some, type, some type of trance, okay? So Panama Lewis cheated Alexis Arguello that night. Alexis never recovered. They had the second fight. I think Alexis was knocked down in the first round. Uh, I was sitting there at Outdoor Arena in Caesars Palace watching that fight almost in tears because I knew the explosive thin man, El Explosivo Flaco, El Flaco Explosivo, was no more, was no mas. I mean, he just wasn't. He was a broken man. And from that point forward, after the first prior fight in 1989, uh, 1982, he, um, he, he got into cocaine heavily, I mean heavily, and, of course, that led to his almost killing himself in 1999. Remember, I went to 
down there to uh, Nicaragua, Managua, Nicaragua, after he appeared on the show. Actually, his wife appeared on the show first, and I had a translator going on, and she was telling me that Alexis was smoking this white stuff out of a, out of a Coke can. A Coke can, a Coca-Cola can. She was explaining this to me in Spanish and going through an interpreter, isn't it? And our boy grabbed the phone and said, Pedro, it's Alexis. I said, yeah, yeah, what's up? He goes, I want to die. I don't know want to live no more. Said, Whoa. Of course, that's when I went to WBC president, then the founder of the WBC, the president, Jose Suleiman, and he gave me $40,000. And he said, go down and rescue Alexis Arguello. And I said, okay. He goes, take him to rehab. Get him in rehab. Pedro, I want you to get him in rehab. Please, please. He'll listen to you. Go down there. So I went down to Nicaragua, spent like nine days there. He didn't want to listen to me. Arguello said he wasn't a junkie or anything like that. So, But he was. He was buying crack. I mean, there were times when we were apart when I was down there for nine days. There were times when we were apart. And I would see his car, because I had a car too, and I would see his car over there in the area where the crack dealers were. So he didn't need to be down there unless he was hanging around with some scoundrels, okay? So Alexis had a problem. This was 1999. We had this big party at his house. It wasn't a party. It was like a confrontation, but it was disguised as a going-away party for me. I was leaving. So they had friends over there, and, like, we were dancing. And so we confronted him on the coke. You know, we confronted him on the crack. We said, you know, you're, you're, you're hooked. You need to go to rehab. This and he said, I'm not a junkie. I'm not sticking nothing in my arm. I'm not going. Of course, then that was in September of 1999. Come New Year's Eve 2000, he got into a car accident, and the Nicaraguan government said to him, listen, pal, either you go to rehab, like Pedro said, or you go to jail. What's it going to be? And he went to rehab, of course. And then he told me later at the Boxing Hall of Fame, the International Boxing Hall of Fame there in Canada, New York, you saved my life. And I thought that was, you know, that was, that was nobody. I mean, I was a cop. And I did some heroic things, this and that. But when Alexis told you that and he told you that in front of people, in front of other members of the media, that was something I think that I will never forget. Okay? The fact that we talked three weeks before he died, he seemed to be in good spirits. Um, and his death, of course, is very controversial. Some people say he was shot through the front door. It was like he went to, he looked through the peephole in the door and somebody shot him. That's the way it went down, according to one person. I have not seen the official police reports. For some reason, I can't get a hold of them. I've tried. I've tried. I'm being a former cop, private investigator here in California. I tried to get uh, information from the Nicaraguan government. They ain't giving up nothing. I mean, it's like some, some big secret, like the Kennedy assassination down there in, in Managua. So they aren't giving up nothing. But I've been told he was shot through the door. Other people say he shot himself. But he was shot in the chest. He wasn't shot in the head. And then somebody said to me, well, that sort of fits Alexis's personality and his ego and, his, and that kind of stuff. Because he wouldn't shoot himself. He, wanted to look good. he would want to look good in his casket. Because that was our goal. Our goal was a big egomaniac, no doubt about that. But may he rest in peace. Of course, I think it was 2009. July the 1st, when he either got shot or shot himself. It, I'm leaning towards him being shot now. It was a 50-50 thing for me before. And the more and more I learn, the more I feel about it. And um, I look into it, and I think that he was killed. I'm thinking, now it sounds like the 75%, 75, 25. 25 that he killed himself, 75 that he was killed. Because when we talked three weeks before his death, he was talking about me coming down to Managua, Nicaragua. And he brought up some stripper. Check this out, Daniel. We had a stripper down in Managua. We had this. When you have business meetings in former country, foreign countries, they have them in strip clubs. They do. I mean, it's like blows me away. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. But they have these meetings in strip clubs. So we had this big meeting with these printers and all this kind of stuff. We're in the in the strip club, and the stri and the stripper came out, and she took a cigarette and she put a cigarette in a place where the sun doesn't shine, and she blew smoke out her mouth. And I was trying to figure it out. She was up there for a while. So she had one of the best acts I've ever seen in my life. Imagine that. You stick a cigarette in one appendage and you blow smoke out another. 
Okay, so that still trying to figure out what was going on there. Anyway, Alexis took me to this strip club where they were doing a business deal. But Alexis Arguello, may he rest in peace, of course. Sit, man, what a, I mean, you can't say enough about his, the fact that he was an incredible gentleman, but he was also a bad alcoholic. I mean, we had some issues with him where I had to put him in check. We were in Kennesaw, I had to put him in check. We were in L.A., I had to put him in check. Because he had, you know, you get drinking, overly friendly. Oh, Pedro, she doesn't like me. Man, shut up, you're embarrassing me. So, you know, there was there were times when, his alcohol abuse sort of got out of hand, of course. And then after he went clean, when he went clean New Year's Eve 2000, allegedly he didn't do anything as far as um, booze and or drugs after that point. But he was hooked on cigarettes. I mean, that was his thing. He smoked every day of his life as a professional fighter. And when I tell people that, they laugh at me. I said, no, he smoked a pack a day. A pack a day of his entire life, at least. And he did it as a professional fighter. Of course, the world champion, 126, 130, and 135. Think about that. The guy smoked a pack of cigarettes. So did Bob Foster. Bob Foster smoked cigarettes. Bob Foster considered, by some, the greatest light heavyweight of, of all time. Of course, he lost big fights in heavyweight contests to Joe Frazier, to uh, George Foreman, I believe, and Muhammad Ali. But Bob Foster used to tell me, I used to drink a beer every night. One, maybe two. Two beers every night when he was in training camp. That was part. Yeah, they used to do that to keep my weight on. No, no, no. They didn't do that to keep your weight on, Bob. They did that because you want to get a little buzz after training. That's what that was all about. But the bottom line is everybody's got their own little issues, I think, as far as substance abuse is concerned. I mean, I'm no saint. But at the end of the day, Alexis Argoa had a lot of demons. But did the demons kill him? Well, I don't think it, I don't think it was suicide. I really think it was murder, and um, that that it probably will never ever be totally solved as to what what, what happened unless somebody was to come out like and admit on their deathbed that they shot him or something like that. But outside of that, he was the mayor of Managua, Nicaragua. He was one, he was going to come become president. He told me I should come down there to Nicaragua. He would get me a job. We would do this. We would do that. We would do this. We would do that. The three the conversation we had three weeks before his death was one of the most animated conversations I ever had with him. I mean, so I thought, so, I mean, so when, when, when I heard that, that he was dead, I didn't believe it. It was like, when they said it was suicide, I definitely, I, come on, you got to be kidding me. I was just talking to this guy. But then again, I thought about it. You know, he's so fragile emotionally. He was a fragile guy. As I said, he was broken after the first prior fight. He was broken. He couldn't believe in himself anymore. That's why he went to drugs. That's why he was drinking even more than he was before. Of course, he eventually went and ended up very clean, but... For nine years, he was clean after that 2000 accident, the January 1st, 2000 accident. Of course, planted, what do they call that, generation, whatever that X was. But the bottom line is he cleaned himself up, and from that point forward, he was a, definitely a, a uh, positive force as far as the Nicaragua was concerned. Now, he would have became president, and um, there was no doubt about it. I mean, he was the most popular guy. And when I went shopping with him, we'd go shopping in different shopping markets and places like that. you go shopping with him. I mean, people didn't flock to him in this sense, but they sort of looked at him the way they looked at Muhammad Ali when we, when we went around the world. It's like, whoa, that's Alexis Arquell. Whoa, that's Alexis Arquell. Of course, Nicaragua's considered him the number one athlete probably in, in the history of their country. I mean, without a doubt. You've got guys now fighting, boxers now fighting out of Nicaragua, but nobody's quite like the great Alexis Arquell. Now, back to the heavyweight championship fight it's going to take place in less than a couple hours. Of course, Dillian White. A young man that is going to bring it for as long as it lasts. I think he's going to try, but trying is not enough. Okay, this is Tyson Fury. This is the undefeated Tyson Fury. So you heard Emmanuel Stewart talk a little bit earlier in the show. Of course, a great gold father from the Kronk Gym. My mentor. May he rest in peace, man. That, that you know, of all the deaths I've had to deal with in boxing, and I'm an old man, so I've seen a lot, okay? But that Emmanuel Stewart death, that was probably one of the hardest I've ever had to deal with. It just was. I mean, you know, he, we talked. I knew he was sick. I knew he was real sick, 
Then I knew he was deadly sick, fatally sick, and he was going to die, and that was really rough. And, you know, he sent me a tweet like a couple days before he died. I said to him, are you going to call me? He says, I can't talk. It's real rough. I can't talk right now. It's real rough. And, of course, three days later he died. I think he died in Chicago, Illinois. But the bottom line is he was the original Kronk Goldfather from Detroit. We had a good – check this out. The gold father, he had a gold Cadillac, a 1970 Cadillac with fins on the back. I mean, we're talking like a pimp, 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 superfly type of car. And guess what? We're driving around Detroit in it. So, you know, just, just, just the things that we did with Emmanuel were totally off this world. Of course, and he's the one that introduced me to the great Aretha Franklin. That was amazing. I mean, he said to me, Pedro, you're going to be introducing somebody famous tonight. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, some boxer or some kind of stuff, right? And he goes, no, 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 you're going to be introducing somebody famous tonight. And he goes, I could go, how famous? He goes, think Grammy Award winner. I didn't do it. I saw some, the Temptations, the Four Tops, somebody like that. No, no, no. It was Aretha Franklin. So I go into, this is the palace in Auburn Hills. We're doing an event there. And I said to her, ma'am, I'm going to introduce you to the um, to sing the national anthem. This she goes, so we shook her hand, shook my hands, this and that. And it was Pedro, blah, 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 and Aretha. She called me Aretha. I called her Miss Franklin. Called me, called, me, called me Aretha. Anyway, the second time I did a gig with her was at the Cobo Hall. They call it Joe Louis Arena. That's in downtown Detroit. And um, she obviously knew who I was from the first event. And she said, Pedro, how are you? And I mean, Pedro, going to do me up tonight? And, you know, I said, oh, man, this is Aretha Franklin saying this kind of stuff. So... Yeah, my time in Detroit, of course, I really, really treasure the times I spent in Detroit, without a doubt, the times I spent at the Motown Museum. Of course, bringing all that weed to the funeral directors next door to the Motown Museum for all that, that, that Motown gossip they used to tell me. And I don't know if half of it was BS or not, but the weed was good, stories were good, without a doubt, I and mean, we had a good time, and I miss the folks in Detroit. Of course, I really miss Emmanuel Stewart. May he rest in peace. You are tuning to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking at the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, minutes away from the World Heavyweight Championship, Tyson Fury and Dillian White. Dillian White has two chances, slim and none. And guess what, Daniel? Slim just left town. the next Canelo Alvarez. I think it's going to be David Benavides as far as the pound-for-pound case is concerned. But Jaime Munguia, of course, the undefeated lad out of Tijuana, Mexico, trained by Eric Morales, El Terrible. And speaking of El Terrible, if you're into Spanish and you want podcasts, he's got the best podcast going. I mean, he's really got it going on as far as the, the top Mexican stars are concerned. He talks with Julio Cesar Chavez. Chavez, he talks about his cocaine issues. The whole, I mean, Eric is pretty a pretty damn good interviewer. I kid you not. Eric El Terrible Morales, of course, the former world champion, 122, 126, and 130. Of course, spending time with him down in Tijuana back when I was doing fights, man. Those were some wonderful days down there in TJ. We go into Tijuana two days before. We have a big press conference. Of course, Mil Mascara showed up one time. The wrestler wearing all that, the man of a thousand masks, he showed up one time. So you never knew how fights were going to go in Tijuana. But when Eric fought, you knew one thing. They are always sold out, no doubt about that. Of course, it uh, looks like Jaime Munguia, of course, the aforementioned undefeated Mexican middleweight out of former mid, junior middleweight out of Tijuana, Mexico, is going to take on Danny Jacobs out of Brooklyn, New York. Now, Danny's a, a good fighter, but Danny's like a broken guy. He's old. He's slow. He's like 40 years old, 45 years old, 50 years old. He looks like he's 75 years old. He's old. He's archaic. He lost down the stretch to that um, to that Euro- European guy, the British champion, about three or four, maybe five weeks ago. And the fact that he lost the last five or six rounds again, 
against that guy and look old, he's not going to have a chance against Mugia. He's got two chances, Slim and none, and Slim just left town. Of course, Mugia will be training up there in, in Big Bear, California. Now, Mugia wants Charlo. Of course, Charlo. Uh, the 160-pound champion, Jamal Charlo, of course, the undefeated lad from coming to us out of Houston, Texas, who's at 32 and zip, 22 KOs, of course. He's going to defend his WBC middleweight title against my producer, Daniel, when Daniel gets down to 160. I mean, that's basically who he's fighting these days, my producer and me. He's not really fighting anybody of note. And that's going to be on his on his tombstone, I think, the fact that you haven't fought anybody. Like Canelo told Antimitius Andrade, you got belts, but who have you fought? I think the same thing could be said of Jermel Charlo. You've got a belt, but who have you fought? Yet, he hasn't fought anybody. But the bottom line is, he keeps talking about it. Talk, talk, talk. Talk is cheap. You need to walk the walk and stop talking to talk. Straight up, you've been listening to Ring Talk and viewing Ring Talk Live Worldwide. <clears throat> You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, we come to you live from the Sports Byline Studios, Saturday and Sunday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. It's 2 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio. Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 270 and like a thousand other internet platforms. iTunes, Stitcher.com. I keep going and going. But the bottom line is I've got a very great new producer. His name is Daniel. He's got some kids at home. He's a wonderful father. Scott Cuddy's down there in Colorado kicking. He's got four types of weed, so he's a happy guy, no doubt about that. Until next week, until tomorrow, this is Ring Talk Live Worldwide.